0: Hi, I'm Beth Guckenberger, and welcome to the Punch First podcast. This is day two, and I'm here with my husband Todd, and we're talking about the kind of oh, kind of content that's sometimes hard to wrestle with. And I appreciate Todd, you being on and being vulnerable about our personal lives and about our private conversations. But you know that the whole time I was writing this um, companion guide, this activation journal, I kept saying, "I want this to be a catalyst for people to have conversations of substance." Yeah, and I was
1: just thinking that um, this book is perfect for a man. It's perfect for a father, and it's perfect for a husband. And it's 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 a it's a tool in our toolbox that we can actually put context around. It's, it's just really really great. Yeah. Um, definitely this was not a marketing tactic
0: but I started to see um, on social media that groups of people were getting together to study the content and they were calling themselves fight clubs and um, it was kind of funny to think about people you know I always say I don't want to give too much attention to the enemy this is what he wants he wants attention but most of the time we don't talk about him at all we we just assume his shenanigans as if they are our own or somebody else's and we get all worked up about things meanwhile he just prances around un- un- undetected and about a quarter of everything jesus said was about a world we cannot see and i i think for me that's it sounds like a good ratio like let's not talk about him too much i think it's uh pastor bill johnson that says i only look at the devil long enough so i can shoot him like you don't want to look at him too much but you also don't want to be unaware of the kinds of things he's doing
1: right and I, th- i think that's a key point, because we 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 can't give credit the the in the end Jesus wins, yeah, and in the end we have power and authority over the devil, however, the enemy is always trying to attack us or some kind of a spiritual for realm, right so yeah. we're we're gonna constantly be on guard, but we want to be on guard in the offensive way, not not defensive. I love the fight club thing. <laughs> I don't care if it's good marketing or not I love it
0: <laughs> well, uh you and I. We used to live in Monterey, Mexico and we had a hope program there it still exists today one of the things we're most excited about that back-to-back Back does but it helps take kids who come from vulnerable families and um, who come from children's homes and we put them in discipleship relationships with family units and they go on to continue their studies all the way through college and there was a story one time when you were out of town it used to be kind of like especially in the early days before it was as developed as it is now that we we functioned kind of like the principal, and a lot of the problems that happened in the individual houses, hap, you know they got resolved within the context of their own house. But when they had a situation that escalated, like then one of the, somebody would come and get us, and we would come help mediate or tie break or, or, whatever. And you were out. I remember you were out of town, and there was a conflict happening in one of the boys' home. Somebody came over and got me because, um, it was like it pandemonium had erupted in their house ending in a food fight at dinner and by the time I got over there this this boy who had been in the house about a week at that point who had been very dysregulated very disruptive very kind of chaotic um, the whole week long looked peaceful, serene, relaxed. He looked like the calmest person in the room. Meanwhile, the unbelievable spirit filled house parents who are normally like trauma informed and spoke in sweet voices and just almost seemed supernatural, how calm they were, they were out of their mind. And I was like, what happened that these guys all flip flopped kind of their posture and their stance? And so I said to the kid, hey, what, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, my gosh, all week long we have after school homework and then craft time and then discussion time and then family dinner making time and then family dinner time and then family cleaning up from dinner time and then family game time. And he's like, and I said, that sounds like an awesome way to spend your time. That This family is so intentional and wants to be with you. And he's like, I, I couldn't handle it. I've never seen anything like it. He He's like, I've been trying to get them to yell at each other to go crazy and finally I I said something which I won't repeat on this podcast to disrupt the dinner table and it 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 really flipped the lid of that house dad who didn't appreciate the disrespect that he had given to another child and he's like finally they were upset and yelling and screaming and everybody got involved and I I feel like for the first time I could take a deep breath like it's like oh this feels normal and I was saying later that night to the house parents because of the environment he had grown up in his set point his normal the waters he was used to swimming in were people yelling at each other and and chaos and and things against like all that tension going on and their house was peaceful and loving and harmonious and calm and intentional and beautiful and he didn't he he felt utterly uncomfortable. And so he provoked something for his set point. And day two, really what we wanted to do in this material was like, let's just put the finger on our own pulse. Like what is our set point? Because the enemy wants to distort our set point or our defaults. So isolation can feel normal. Like it's, I'm just used to being alone. This is, this is actually just, this is my normal waters. And then we start to self-sabotage important things like relationships when we find connection in healthy relationships, it serves the enemy well to try to break those or cause us to doubt the connection that we have with others, ca- cause us to wonder about their their motivation or their intention or um, to doubt them. And so he starts biting at us until we either confess that sin and we overcome it and those relationships are preserved, or we fall to sin and we suffer defeat and we start destroying that connection and actually promote isolation and I think um you and I heard a a talk out of the pandemic that said that 65% of Americans felt like that nobody knew them very well that more than half of our country had a sense of isolation what do you think what do you think the enemy gains by cause by us feeling comfortable being alone us being feeling comfortable being isolated like why would that be one of his tactics or strategies? Do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely one of his tactics and strategies It's not, not supposedly. Uh, I think mostly, he, I think where the enemy starts with me is in my belief system. Mm-hmm. Like I have a, I have a set belief system, a set point on on that, and so it just self perpetuates itself without community. I often said when we lived in Mexico, in community, without community, there there's no accountability and without accountability, there's no self-awareness. And so community, even though it can be friction, brings us closer to the Christ or being Christ-like because people are calling things out or speaking truth into us. Mm -hmm. And so I think without that community, it it really impacts us. And relationships are our work,
0: right? I mean, to to pursue people, to uh, understand, like to work to care about what's important to them
1: yeah I mean the, the pursuit I mean just think of marriage in general, like mm-hmm. the relationship of marriage. How many times can you could you you know have a disconnect and stay disconnected yeah. or uh, in in with a child child parent relationship either way? I, you know the the constant friction or push against us to disconnect is is out there. And we have to
0: work to like I think about some of the the relationships in my life. When they celebrate things in my life that have nothing to do with them, when they have empathy for things in my life that have nothing to do with them, they're, they're putting, they're demonstrating like, hey, you as a person, I care about. I care about you in this moment and what's important to you more than I care about me. Tell them what we do at
1: our dinner table every night. So we, we have this uh, – it's a fun tradition. We learned it from somebody else, but um, we actually go around the table every night, and everybody does their happy and crappy, mm-hmm. and they're happy and crappy the day. And and the the value of that is we want each other – to empathize with the crappy and celebrate with the successes of the happy. And it's it's become a tradition. I mean, if, even if we're not there, they still do it without us.
0: They do. And sometimes when they, somebody can't be there for dinner, they'll text us, they're happy and crappy. But, like, some of those stories are funny. I think storytelling is a really important part of family culture. And they're learning how to tell their stories. And some of their stories... Uh, you know uh, that wouldn't be crappy to me or i don't know why we're celebrating that like you have to learn to say this actually is not about me this this is about them and what they chose to share about what what how they felt and you learn about in th- in our case you learn about your children and you learn um you learn how to tell stories
1: yeah and it's uh, it's also really it's also been a great way for us to s- to s- see the needs of our children mm-hmm. uh, and hear them in the perspective they see and feel and um because I think you know, like just as much as we talk about the the bullseye of the enemies on us, the bullseye of the enemy is definitely on our children, yeah. and wants nothing more than for them to draw, pull away from him, not draw close to him. Uh, and I, I think I think we 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 need to listen to them and listen for those moments when we speak truths into them.
0: I think I don't know about you. If this is not true for you, feel free to say that. Not me, but. For me, like knowing that I'm going to be sharing a happy and crappy at dinner time. sometimes in the middle of the day when something really good happens, I think, oh, this is going to be my happy tonight. Or when something hard happens, I'm like, oh, this is definitely getting told to everybody tonight. Like I need some sympathy or empathy for this. And it it actually helps me pay attention in my day because you can just kind of go through your day and just like one hour after the other. And then, you know, it all adds up to the end of the day. But i think an important part even of the spiritual warfare conversation is just being present in the middle of your day to what's going on around you
1: yeah it's it definitely uh definitely it's you know it's obviously scripture says take every thought captive there's something to consciously competently understanding what's going on in your da- in your daily routine and and for me it's this conversation with god i have all the time and it's it's constantly calling out lies and confessing. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, I'd love to know what kind of lies you think uh, that the enemy's whispering to you that you've believed. It could be a, a lie from your childhood. It could be a lie.
1: Yeah, th- you know, it's it's funny. When I was in high school, I had an English teacher, and I'll never forget I was where I was, who I was with. Uh, I have a twin brother, and he was in the class with me, and there was another girl who was in the class. We all came from another school district, and that and that teacher one day said, oh, I grade you three different on writing. and it And it was like... What do you mean and and she went on to say oh because you guys aren't you guys aren't as good as everybody else because of the school you came from and for years years i sat on that lie like i'm not a good writer i can't i can't do this uh, can't catch up yeah i was embarrassed i would i would even though editing is an important part of writing and sharing your writing and having somebody read it i didn't want i wouldn't even do that i would just send it out And and honestly some of it wasn't good and it would embarrass me because i didn't do it well but until i got vulnerable and said hey Help me improve on this, or I mean, I'm married to a writer and author and speaker, so that doesn't. It's help. all worked out in the end. But, <laughs> but, 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 the, but, the reality is that I needed to confront that lie. Yeah. And it's changed changed the whole way I think I think and see and and write and I'm I'm definitely not, I'm not a prolific writer, but uh, but I'm not ashamed to do it. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think the enemy just takes moments like that, even if that that teacher's intention wasn't to crush you for the oh. next several decades. The enemy can take words like that and land them in soft places. Yeah,
1: I don't think she was like a, a vessel of the enemy. <laughs> I think I think it sat on an insecurity I already had mm-hmm. or thought because I was comparing myself to my peers. And so it wasn't, I don't, yeah, I definitely don't think she did it intentionally. However, you know, he we used do it. need to u- take, use our words wisely and think about how people are hearing and, and receiving them. Yeah, it makes me think about that proverb that
0: says, Like an apple of gold in a setting of silver is a word aptly spoken, like just in the same way hard words can stay with us for years, so can words of affirmation. We have to be careful about the words coming out of our mouth. I I think for me, um, I write a little bit about in Throw the First Punch, this idea of replay, which is when when something happens and you like think to yourself later, like, I cannot believe I said that, or, or I should have said something and I didn't, or just some moment when you, you reevaluate how you handled yourself and you think I would have done it a little different if if you kind of chew on that the way that a cow does like his cud or whatever you know like you just you just chew and chew and chew on it uh, we call that replay and replay is a way and it, the Bible says the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy he's like literally stealing our time he's stealing our peace he's, he's, he's just letting that thing run around in your brain and I think that again part of the point of day two is like what are these lies that we've just wallpapered on the inside of our heart mind and soul that we need to take that thing off and and replace it with the truth um i think that's a really powerful and important step in this uh in this whole spiritual warfare journey so
1: yeah and something i think that i've struggled with over the years is does god really love me Mm -hmm. or am i enough to be loved by god and and i think that's a lie but the great thing about it is the truth is in the scripture, Yes. right? We we have the truth at our fingertips. We have the truth mostly on our phones these days, right? With <laughs> the Bible app. But but the reality is we can fill our minds and, and retrain our, our words and experiences with the truth that God's communicated to us.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, I hope here on day two that you and the people that you are talking to about spiritual warfare have a chance to have conversations of substance. Thanks for being with Todd and I today, and we'll see you at day three.